You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9. Uh, we were there. We started Acts 9 last week. Uh, we're still in there this week, so if you've got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 9. Last week, last week we saw Saul, or Paul, if you know who that is in the Bible, Paul, um, he was not a friendly guy. Um, he was not the guy that you'd want on your church staff. Um, he, he was a hater of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he... He was confronted and converted by the Lord Jesus Christ last week in uh, Acts chapter 9. And we saw a man who was actively working to subvert the work of the church and stop the expansion of the church. Um, But we saw the Lord Jesus Christ transform him from a hater of the church, hater of the G, uh, hater of Jesus to a primary champion of the church and he actually wrote the back half of the Bible. So like the bulk of the back half of the Bible. Um, so it's incredible to see what Jesus can do, amen. So when when Jesus transformed like by the way, that's, that's awesome. I love that. Just, you guys can you guys are more than welcome to do that. When Jesus transforms a heart, he changes a life. When Jesus transforms the inside of a man, it it completely changes the outside of the man. When he transforms a heart, he changes a life. So we we see this happen all in the first half of Acts chapter 9. We see where Jesus confronts him. I mean, if you remember, Jesus, Paul was on his way to Damascus, got a letter from the high priest to be able to imprison, persecute, and kill Christians. Like I said, not the guy you want on your church staff. Um, he, that was his, his primary objective. He's on his way with his, his group of men to go imprison Christians. Jesus shows up and says, Paul or Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul says, what? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus responds, he goes, it's, I'm Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. He's struck blind for three days by the power of God. And at the end of that, what is verse 19? It's set, well, verse 18. And immediately something like scales from his eyes fell off and he regained his sight. And then he, what, was baptized in verse 19 and taking food, he was strengthened. So, that's the first half of 19. We're going to begin the, the second half of chapter 19. So he's eaten some food and he's been strengthened. And the next thing it says here in verse 19, for some days, for some days he was with the disciples in Damascus. We're going to stop there. This is this is what we do, just verse by verse. And so what I want to do is we see this in the second half of, of, of 19 that Paul spends time in fellowship with 
disciples, with Christ followers, with Christians in, in the town of Damascus. Now, what I want to do is I want to, I want to land there for just a minute and, and talk about this idea um, and spend some, some time in this text. Um, let me just say, it is vital. It is vital that believers spend time with other believers. It's vital for your spiritual development that you're engrafted, engaged, and, in, and activated in a local biblical community. And this is best fleshed out in a New Testament Bible-believing church. Like, listen, God never designed any of us in the room, God never designed any of us to go and live out life by ourselves. We were never designed by God to just Lone Ranger it and do it. Now, actually, even Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? So he, he wasn't by himself. Like, he had a community, he had somebody with him. Now, th- listen to this. I did some re- Pew Research, which is a, a research group, they found that religiously unaffiliated people groups have been growing. Three out of every ten people are calling themselves non-religious. Now, this is up ten percentage points as of ten years ago. And I just think that's crazy. That's just staggering to me. But um, something else that the researchers found while they're, they're doing this, while they're, while they're going through this, is that they're seeing these religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, not nuns like Catholic nuns, but N-O-N-E-S, like they, they don't have any affiliation with religion. As these groups are growing, now listen to this, so does the need to have a community-based group for these people. So, in other words, these non-religious groups, these non-religious groups are having gatherings, special services, and meetings. Hmm. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing right now? Why do you think that is? It's because God has designed human beings for community. And listen, if you don't worship the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not worshiping the God of the Bible... You are going to be worshiping something. These these non-religious people are actually engaged in the worship of themselves. They have enthroned themselves as the God of their own universe. And this is to their own demise and their own detriment. But still, listen, every single human being still has a yearning for community. We still want to be together. It's because that's what God built into us. So Paul, he spends time with the disciples in Damascus. And as he grew in faith, he understood the importance of a biblical community. And if you look at Paul's life, he gave himself up for the church, for the gathering of the saints. He knew, Now listen, he knew that the church body of the Lord Jesus Christ would be God's mighty instrument for the proclamation and the spreading of the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he fought to plant, expand, and defend the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, the devil, Satan, he has a desire to see the church, the biblical church, crippled and shut down. Like, now listen, the enemy, Satan, is up to his neck in religion. He's, he's totally fine with you being religious 
or in today's, in today's world, spiritual. But what he doesn't want is for human beings to be engaged in a biblically-based community, a, a, a biblical, Christ-honoring, Bible-believing church. And so he wants to cripple and disable the church. And he does this actively by trying to shut the doors. Hmm. Make no mistake, the last two years have been an assault on biblical Christianity. But I'm going to tell you, the true church understands this and has fought to keep this from happening by the power of the Holy Spirit and being obedient to the scriptures. And listen, bottom line is Christ is on his throne. Like he's not up in heaven going, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if we're going to be able to handle this. God's overcome. He will never be defeated by the enemy. And the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Amen? Like It just, it just won't. J.I. Packard once said, The task of the church is to make the invisible kingdom visible through faithful Christian living and witness bearing. That's what Matthew 28 told us that Jesus in Matthew 28 said, Therefore, go make disciples, because I have all authority in all of the earth. Therefore, as the church, go and make trouble for the enemy. And that's what we're called to do. Go make trouble against the forces of darkness. And that begins by us gathering here in this place to get our focus and get our worship on towards the Lord Jesus Christ towards him and directly on him and i want us to see what that leads to like when paul spends time with the disciples in damascus he's fellowshipping he's worshiping he's submitting himself under the word of god and that is the the church of the lord jesus christ i want you to see where this leads what what spending time in fellowship with other believers what spending time in worship with other believers will stir up in our hearts verse 20 and immediately he proclaimed jesus in the synagogues saying he jesus is the son of god now this caused a problem for the jews because before all this took place Saul was actively subverting the church, actively saying that, no, 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 Jesus is not God. Jesus comes in and says, actually, I am. And you're going to be my instrument that I'm going to use to proclaim the gospel. So immediately he goes into the synagogue where he had just been attacking Christians. Now he's saying, actually, they were right. So we see the church... Like, this is what happens. When you spend time in fellowship in the walls of the church, you're going to go outside of the walls of the church, and you're actually going to be the church, not just attend it. You're going to be the church, not just attend the church. That's verse 20. Let's go to verse 21. Now, remember I told you that the Jews were frustrated. Verse 21. And all who heard him were amazed. And said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon the name of Jesus? And has he not come here for the sole purpose to bring them bound before the high priest? Like this was what was Paul's goal when he went to Damascus. When Paul left Jerusalem to go to Damascus, he had a letter from the high priest to say, listen, we're going to imprison these people. 
we're going to torture them, and we're going to murder them. Like that, you read later in the text, you're going to find out his goal was, and he had been killing Christians. That was what he's doing. So he's now standing in the synagogue saying, Jesus is the way. Understandably, you've got Christians going, eh, I don't know. That, is, he, is this an undercover agent? Is he, is he trying to get us? Is he trying to, to hurt us? Is he trying to tear us up? No. He amazed all who heard him. Verse 22. But Paul increased in all... I'm sorry. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So he went, he went straight into apologetics where he said, I'm going to prove to you biblically that Jesus is God. And I, I, I want you to look at this verse and think about what had happened here. Radical transformation. And the content of Saul's message here was that Jesus Christ himself is God. He had gone from an enemy of the gospel. Saul had gone from an enemy of the gospel to a friend of the gospel. He had gone from an enemy of God to a friend of God. What, what, we, what a friend we have. In, I, like, listen, I didn't even plan that. Marjorie, I didn't even, Marjorie where, where'd you go? I didn't plan that. You were like, hey, let's do this. And I was like, I'm in. What a friend we have in Jesus. So he became this bold proclaimer of the gospel. In fact, Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, he says what? I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first, then also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith, just as it's written, the justified will live by faith. That was the verse that launched the Great Reformation with Martin Luther, as he was Reading this text as he was doing works to try to make himself better in a better standing with God, as he was climbing upstairs doing penance as a monk, he reads that and, he, and the Holy Spirit ignites Martin Luther's heart and he's like, wait a minute. It's not my works that save me. It's not my good deeds that gets me in a right standing with God. I'm justified by faith. I'm saved by grace through faith. And that of not of myself. Wait, what? Listen, bold faith will shock an onlooking world. It'll aggravate the enemies of the gospel. But the good news that God... The, the, here's the good news is that God will also use our bold faith and the proclamation of the gospel to draw more who are called according to his purpose. You say, well, Caleb, I planned on being here. Okay, but I'm going to tell you this much. God knew you'd be in this room before the foundation of the world. God knew you'd be right here on February 6th at 11.40 in the morning. I had to get the glare there. He knew you'd be here. You're not here. None of you are here by accident. So because you're not an accident, like, and none of you are an accident. I've heard people say, oh, well, little Junior was a happy little accident. No, no ma'am. No, sir. 
In God's divine economy, there is no such thing as an accident. Everything is on purpose. Everything has a purpose. Everyone is here for a reason. As we go through Acts, in Acts 17, it says that God has determined the allotted period of time and where you're going to live. So you're here for a reason. I'm here for a reason. This bold faith that he has, that Saul had, it's shocked an onlooking world. And it, you'll see here in a minute, it aggravates some. But man, God uses our bold faith with the proclamation of his word to draw many and save many and reconcile and redeem and rescue many. Amen? So when I say it shocks an onlooking world and it aggravates them, the enemies of the good news. Like, look at the next verse, 23 and 24. <laughs> when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plots became known to Saul, so they were watching the gates. Now listen, they're watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. So, him moving from an enemy of the gospel to a friend of the gospel becomes this thing that where he just, those people don't like him. So the people that he was aligned with that were helping him kill Christians, now they're going, wait a minute, he is one. We got to kill him now. When the Jews could not figure out or understand Saul, they did what most people do when they cannot contend with truth. They plot violence. In the world, right this very moment, in 2022, we see that the world is not able to contend with truth very well, especially the truth of the gospel. So the knee-jerk reaction so often is some type of violence or violation of human rights. Uh, right now, we talked about it in Sunday school, right now in Canada, uh, pastors are being put in prison for standing up and preaching the, the word of God. For gathering like we're gathering right here, there are certain pastors that are getting arrested and put in prison. So when you stand for the truth of God's word, a sinful humanity, a sinful world will come against you with all its might. Uh, they did it in Paul's day and they're doing it today. Now listen, our job is to be faithful to the text. Our job is to be faithful to the gospel. I'm not one of those guys that says, you know what, let's rally and, and storm the gates and jump the walls and take people. I'm not that guy. Ve Scripture says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I'm not the guy, I'm not the vengeance guy. I'm just the guy that preaches the word. You, as a Christian, are not to be the vengeance person. You're the person that just is faithful to, to teach and preach the gospel in your sphere of influence. That's what your job is. Your job is to stand firm on the gospel. And Paul, he didn't try to physically fight. Rather, he just simply said, okay, I'm going to vacate the area for a while. I'm going, to, I'm going to leave for a while. Verse 25, his disciples, Saul's disciples, took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall and, the, and lowered him down in a basket. I remember this one in Sunday school in the little flannel graph. Hey, you guys remember flannel graph in Sunday school? Well, Sunday school teacher slaps that thing up in there and he'll pause in the basket and then, and he went down. And they're like, oh. So Paul was faithful to stand firm on the gospel. 
And he preached to those that were around him. And what he did was he was faithful to follow God's leadings and promptings. And he lived another day. And he preached and proclaimed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for sinful humanity. That's the gospel. So what is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for sinners. How many of us in the room are sinners? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying, so... Just checking. Look at verse 31. So the church... Now listen to this. This is, the, this is what happens when we're faithful to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Woo! What is amazing is that when all of this was done, why all of this was done is because God's sovereign decrees. He did all of this in Paul's life. One man transforms this entire region. All of this was done because of God's decrees. Back if you look at verse 14 in chapter 9, last week we talked about this. Jesus tells Ananias in a vision, he says, Go, for Saul is a chosen instrument of, my, of mine, instrument of mine, to carry out my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Now listen, the Lord Jesus Christ will always provide a way for his gospel to be presented and preached and proclaimed in order to bring those who need to be redeemed and saved into the family. The mechanism that God has chosen to use to redeem mankind from their sinful state is the preaching and the proclamation of the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing. See, I love it. Yes, you guys are getting it. Come on now. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Like that's, this is the mechanism. I, I told Sunday school this morning. This is the most powerful book in the world. It has the power to bring the dead to life, the spiritually dead to life. Man. And make no mistake, the thing that separates you, so this morning you say, what's, what's, where do we go here from here, Caleb? What's the idea here? Like, the bottom line is the gospel is, is to be proclaimed. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for sinful humanity. You say, who's sinful? We just, we just identified that everyone in the room is sinful. And what separates you and I from the Lord Jesus Christ is our sin. And now listen, it's not my wife's sin that keeps me from Jesus. It's not your neighbor's sin that causes you to have an issue with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your sin that causes you to have a blocked relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. You breaking the laws of God is what causes this to be a problem. Let's just take a test. And I, I gave you a little pre prelude to this. How many guys have ever told a lie? Like I said, if you don't raise your hand, you are a liar. How many of you guys have ever stolen anything? You guys told me I'm much a liar, so I don't believe you. Know, not me. Come on now. Let's do this. How many of you guys have always honored your mom and dad? Always. You know, when you were younger, the, the, the young bucks in the back, like me. Like, yeah, probably not. My kids used to raise their hand. I'm like, really? I, I live with you. Come on now. 
All of us, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have fallen short. We've all broken the laws of God. That's the Ten Commandments. You know why the Ten Commandments are, you know the world pushes to have the Ten Commandments out of the public square? Because the Bible says those are the way we find out how we need to get to God. All of us have broken God's law. All of us have fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all broken these Ten Commandments according to Romans 3.23. And because of that, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Like every one of us deserves God's wrath. Like that's because we are sinners. That's what we deserve. But finish that verse up. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. How do you get access to Jesus? Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says... Repentance and belief in the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is near. Or is at hand. That's what the text says. How do you repent? What does repent mean, Caleb? I've done, what does that mean? That's a big church word for turn away from and turn towards. So repentance means I'm turning away from my sin and myself and the world and I'm turning towards Christ. 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sins... Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Like, listen, if he could forgive Paul, he could forgive you. Amen? If he could forgive Caleb Gordon, he could forgive you. I'll, I'll never forget, I've told my, our home folks here, they've heard this before. I was preaching in Texas one time, and there's a whole bunch of people, I mean, they came in, sort of kind of like this crew, they just all came in over on this side, though. I didn't know who they were. I was doing, I was preaching revival. And I was going through and talking about, you know, Paul killing Christians. David, the guy who wrote the Psalms, committed adultery and killed that, that wife's husband. God redeems him and reconciles him. So I said, listen, I don't think anybody here, anybody guilty of murder? Like five guys over here. They brought the prison in. <laughs> Did not know that. They brought the town's prison and you got five guys going, yeah, me. Well, all right. And so I, like, instead of, because I've never had that happen, I was like, this is the first. So I walked over and I said, let me ask you, Pete, was the, one of the guys' names, said, Pete, has God saved you? He goes, oh, man, let me tell you, I've been redeemed. I know I'm spending time in prison, but man, I know that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved me and redeemed me and reconciled me and set me on a path of righteousness. I'm like, oh, you want to preach? Come on. God can save anybody he wants to save, amen? God can do whatever he wants to do. What's the first John 1 9? If you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. He sets us apart, he redeems us, he reconciles us. Now listen. The mark that you are actually a true believer of the Lord Jesus Christ is not that you just one time say you're sorry. God, I'm sorry. And then never do anything about it afterwards. You repenting one time and asking God to forgive you of your sin, and now you have no, and if there's no pursuit of holiness, no pursuit of godliness, no pursuit of the things of God, that, that's a problem. That's not salvation. Salvation is a heart transformation. When Jesus impacts you, it's going to leave a mark. Amen? 
And, and for our guests that are here, I'll, I'll use this illustration. It's not my notes, but you guys get a free one today. Congratulations. Um, if I got in here this morning, I ran up. If I was late and Gabe and Logan had to lead singing and I ran in here, they were still singing. I ran in here late and I could up on stage. And <laughs> I am so sorry, guys. I am so sorry I'm late. I was out there on 166 and a, and a Mack truck, it, it ran me over. I'm so sorry for being late. You'd look at me and say, Caleb, either you don't know what a Mack truck is or you're lying. Right? Because if a Mack truck runs you over, I can promise you there's going to be an, imp- there's going to be imprint, an imprint in your life. It's going to last a while. Amen? When the Lord Jesus Christ impacts human beings in the Word of God, their lives are radically transformed. People say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but there's no difference. They don't look any different than the world. There's no pursuit of holiness. There's no pursuit of godliness. There's no pursuit of wanting to know who this God is in the Bible. When Jesus, when you say you love Jesus and have been impacted by the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's no change, you either don't know who Jesus is or you're lying to yourself. Like, listen, I told you in the beginning of this that so many of these people, these religious, non-religious people, they've enthroned themselves as God. Like, listen, you make a lousy God. I make a lousy God. Let me just say, you lie to you more than anybody else does. God, we all look good. Come on now. The mark that you're truly a follower of Christ is that you're daily repenting of your sins. Where you daily say, God, man, I, God, I'm sorry that I have offended you, that I've broken your law. Because here's the deal. I'm a pastor and I still sin. Can I get an amen? From, please watch this. Honey, can I get an amen? Well, that's the first amen I got from her in a while. So, It's true though. I, I'm a pastor, but I still sin. This is where I, a daily repentance of sin comes into play. A daily desire to pursue the things of God. A daily desire to open this and pour over it and read it and ask God to, to change me. This is the mark that someone is belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Saul was changed immediately was changed and he spent time worshiping and fellowshipping with believers and verse 20 says and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying that he is the son of God if you go up just four or five verses he's up here in the beginning saying he's breathing threats in verse 1 he's breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord Jesus And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of Damascus so that if he found anybody belonging to the way, that's what Christians were called back then, that they were belonging to the way, I can imprison them, bring them back, and let's torture them, let's persecute them, and let's kill them. And now you get down to verse 20, and he's proclaiming, by the way, Jesus is God. What happened? There was a... A massive impact that happened in, the, in, in Paul's life because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, when Jesus encounter, you encounter Jesus in your timeline, it's going to completely change your life. 
It, it just will. You're going to look differently. You're going to sound different. You're going to, people are going to think you're crazy. The world looks on, the scripture says that the world looks at the cross as foolishness. But to those that are on the inside, we see it as life everlasting. Because listen, I don't know if you know this, we don't live on this planet forever. We've got an end date. We've got an expiration. And God knew that before the foundation of the world. He allotted your time periods from the beginning to the end. And we're spending, some, we're spending our eternity somewhere. You're, one of two things is happening in your life. There's only two options. There's not, I want door number three, Caleb. No, there's no door three. Door one is that you're an object of God's wrath for all eternity because you've decided that you don't want to follow him, you don't want to obey him, you don't want to do, I'm going to do do me. What's that old Sinatra? I did it my way. Remember that old Sinatra? He did it his way. And I'm, whoo. How'd that work, as Dr. Phil said, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? You're either an object of God's wrath or you're an object of God's mercy for all eternity. So you're either spending all of eternity experiencing God's justice or you're spending all of eternity experiencing God's mercy. So how do you find that? How do you find God's mercy? Repent and believe the gospel. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you and to cleanse you from your unrighteousness. Ask Him to come in and be the Lord of your life and transform and be the king that is enthroned in your heart and then purpose and say god i'm going to follow you i'm going to obey you i'm going to do what you've called me to do and then when you do this man you're called by the lord jesus christ to go make trouble for the enemy i'm I'm telling you the enemy knows when the gospel is going to be proclaimed and he's going to do his dead level best to cause havoc in your life. But man, by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been given the authority to trample his kingdom. Not because you're awesome, but because God's great. Amen? Like you've been given that power by God Almighty. What's that, what's that quote from J.I. Packer? The task of the church is to make the invisible kingdom of God visible. Through faithful Christian living and faithful witness bearing. That's what we're called to do. So, that's, we made it to verse, what, 30? 31. Congratulations. We got to 31. We're going to keep going here in a little bit. Next week. If you're in town, come back and visit with us. We'd love to hear you be a part of this with, with us. But man, the, the power of the gospel is so important. If you're here this morning, you say, Caleb, I, I don't know where I'm spending my eternity. I, man, I, like I said, I had a guy in my house a couple months ago, and it said, Dad asked him the question, are you washed in the blood? And he said, man, I hope so. Do you know you can know so? You can know so. All you've got to do is repent and believe the gospel. That is the... There's the, what's the formula, Caleb? I'm a, I'm a formula guy. What's the formula? Repent and believe the gospel. Repent of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died to forgive you of your sins. Believe that he's God and he can do what he wants. Okay? It sounds really simple. That's the cool thing is the gospel is really simple. We as human beings, anybody ever overcomplicate something? Am I the only one that ever over? I'm like trying to rethink this out and be like, what? No. 
Jesus keeps it really simple. Because we need simple. I need, I don't know about you, but I need simple. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I want to be the most available. So, what do we do? Simple things like this. You just come to the end of yourself. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit is stirred, you say, that's me, I do need to repent. Here's what you do. Here's the invitation. Come find me after church while you're eating lunch, while we're eating lunch. Come grab me and say, Caleb, that's me. I, I need to ask God to forgive me. And I'll help you. I'll show you how that works. You just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry that I've broken your law. I'm sorry that I have done this against you. God, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sinfulness. That you'd make me new. You'd fix me up. And guess what? According to God's word, on the authority of God's word, if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful to forgive you and to wipe the slate clean and make you brand new. All of it's forgiven. All of it. Past, present, and future. Say, wait a minute, Caleb. God forgives me of my future stuff too? Yeah. Let's just go here. When Jesus died on the cross and was raised three days later, how many of your sins were future sins? All of them. So guess what? God's grace and God's shed blood on the cross are powerful enough to forgive you of everything. I suspect none of us in the room, I mean, I'm not making any more silly statements like nobody in the room's a murderer. I mean, maybe. But you know what Jesus did? He internalized it. In Matthew, he said, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. If you look at someone with lust, you've committed adultery. Jesus internalized it and makes it all about the heart. And he wants to change your heart because if he can change your heart, he'll change, he'll transform your behavior. You don't need to change your behavior first. You get your heart changed and your behavior will follow. Amen? That's it. All right. Let's stand together. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas 67024. God bless you.